Hi, and welcome to the Financial Planner Life podcast, where we talk to professionals at varying stages in their career about what it's like working in the wonderful world of financial planning and financial advice. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Recruit UK, a recruitment consultancy specifically focused on the financial services. They have a niche specialism, recruiting, within the financial planning industry, so check out their website for the latest job opportunities, hints and tips, and blog articles. And today's guest is Chanel Patterson. Chanel is a IFA for P&P Invest. She didn't start out as an IFA. She worked her way up from administrator, did her qualifications, partly with the LIBF, partly with the CII. She didn't stay in one company either. She's had quite a bit of experience with different firms and we talk about the benefits of that. We also talk about the different power planner roles that she's worked in and we sort of pose the question to anybody listening, if you are a power planner, are you really a power planner or are you an administrator? Sometimes the job title doesn't match the actual daily tasks that you are doing in the position. We also talk about women under the age of 30 within financial planning and why she has set up a community to bring women under 30 together. And we also talk about the power of community and experience working with next-gen planners and how that's helped shape her career. I hope you enjoy it. Janelle, thanks so much for joining me today on the Financial Planner Life podcast. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Dropped my daughter off off to school, dressed up as Princess Belle for her dress like your favourite cartoon character day. So she was happy and cute. And as I said to you before this, I found it really heartwarming because like a little four and a half year old sort of rocking through central Bristol in a Princess Belle outfit and she didn't have a care in the world and I love that it just um, melted my heart I love it if everyone had that confidence it would just be amazing yeah exactly exactly you wouldn't care would we you know no. crazy right great Chanel so thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast obviously we've got to know each other because I appeared on your big breakfast show with the next gen planners and we'll talk about next gen planners in this conversation actually and what it's all about and why you've got involved with it so we've had a we, we you know we've caught up and we've met up before and we've had a few conversations now over the telephone and i think you're the perfect person to come on the podcast and, and talk about your career um you. one being <laughs> you're a female in financial planner oh my you know in financial planning oh my, oh my god what a rarity you know and oh, you're yeah. and you're young oh my <laughs> god you know there is very few of us we are a rarity (laughs) (laughs) so there we go so that's a great thing but anyway today just if we just kick things off can you just sort of give us a brief introduction to yourself who you are and really where you are currently in your career yeah of course so I've been in the financial services industry for about five years um it wasn't really what I wanted to do growing up but like every single person in the financial services industry says I fell into it. Yeah. Um, currently, I am a financial planner. So I was power planning for a few years, did admin for a few years. I became a, tra- a trainee financial planner last year, had a year of competency. And now I'm all signed off and I can go and do my own thing and I can go and get my own clients. So hopefully, just in time with the world going back to normal, I can actually meet some people and make yeah. my clients. So yes, it is exciting. So have you been, have you, so, okay, so you've only just recently become a financial planner over the last year, haven't you? So your first year of being a financial planner was in lockdown then, was it? It was, which was not what I was expecting. Oh. I remember vividly that I joined in January last year and I remember driving home from work thinking, this is amazing. Life is perfect. 
couldn't get any better honestly I think I jinxed it and then two months later I remember the news was like right we're going into lockdown I was like no it's fine like it will be nothing and I remember sitting on the sofa there like right everything is shut and I was like I can't even go to Starbucks but this is bizarre yeah like and then didn't leave my house for a very long time and did everything from home so it wasn't what I was expecting but it has been okay to be fair fair play no um I mean, it's a year, isn't it? Literally to the day, I think, like a year that we went yeah. into lockdown. So I think I can't believe I, how quickly that's gone by. It has, has it felt quick? I think it feels quick. But we got, I think it feels quick. But I think we got through it. I mean, most professions have actually ad- adapted. And it just shows the resilience of, of us and what we can do and how we do things. And I think it kind of catapulted financial planning as a profession into the 21st century because it was lagging massively behind um and um, it was amazing how many financial planners that i was speaking to that had never used you know zoom or skype or teams or anything like that and now it's just you know everyone's doing it and 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 also reaping the rewards of it as well you know it's a great way to speak to clients a great way for me as a recruiter to because i don't have to travel around the bloody country meeting everybody and i built some fantastic relationships from video so I think it's enhanced the way we do business across multiple professions. Um, But I think we want to get back into face-to-face, don't we, as well? You know, you can't just do everything on video. Definitely. And I think the main thing that I've noticed is it's great for clients that the company I work in now, we've already built relationships with. And I think, Mm. like you said, we save time. We don't have to drive to meetings. And it's one of those industries where you are always busy. Nothing's ever finished. It's always ongoing and you save time. But getting new clients through the door it is there's no doubt that it's harder on zoom if someone's going to be giving your, you their money to look after it is 100% harder to build that trust over zoom and I would say every person we spoke to has just wanted to see us in person they want to know we're a real human they mm. want to sit opposite us and they just want to build a relationship that way I think and that will be the main thing going forward maybe more client reviews will be online but new clients I think want to come into the office meet everyone and build a relationship that way I think no I think you're absolutely right there I think you know with especially around scammers and all that kind of stuff people are sort of a bit cautious around using technology in general anyway when it comes to their finances so I could understand why somebody would want to meet somebody face to face and you raise a really good point there I think the continual relationship side of it the client relationship after the actual client signed up I think video is brilliant isn't it you can just jump on you've already got to know them already everyone's relaxed they're in their own home you know you can take 25 30 minutes of their time as opposed to an hour getting there an hour getting back and having to be somewhere and prepare yourself and I think it's um no it adds that kind of speed value and obviously uh, one of the things you never hear about really is the reduction in the carbon footprint the amount of ro- you know cars that are take- taken off the road you know the less mm-hmm. travel that we have to do the better impact it's going to have on the environment which I think is a, a positive thing in its own right isn't it mm, definitely cool okay so what I love doing on this podcast is just finding out and learning as to why you decided to get into financial planning and how you got into financial planning so let's go all the way back to the beginning then tell us a little bit about how you ended up working in the financial planning profession absolutely so um my dad is a financial planner and he has been my whole life and when I was younger I thought that was the most boring job in the world never wanted to do it and my favorite description of his job which I still describe as now is he drinks tea and makes money grow and growing up that is exactly what I thought he did because he'd always be drinking tea and from what he told me 
all of his clients pots grew so <laughs> brilliant <laughs> and um but I never wanted to do it I didn't think it was for me I just I just wasn't a fan so I went off and did quite random things went to college a few different times tried some different things I even had an apprenticeship in London at ITV when I was 16 and everyone thought I was crazy because I was like I don't want to do this and they're like what, what do you mean you don't want to do this I was like we're not enjoying it and like I'm a big believer in do what makes you happy mm. and I think everyone thought I was a bit crazy but they're like you can't quit ITV like like what a job and I was like but I don't want to be a PA so what's the point I'm not going to carry on so I quit and I went and worked in Debenhams and I think in the end my dad was like okay what are you gonna do I was like, oh I don't know really he was like why don't you just try RO1 for the first sort of CII book see what you think I don't really know why he gave me RO1 because dire to say the least <laughs> but um, he was like just give it a go so I started studying and I was working in Debenhams and this I do think is sort of a bit of fate happening I was working in Debenhams chatting to a lady I don't even know how I got talking about ROs because it's quite a random thing. But she said, oh, I work at Old Mutual, so now Quilter. And she was like, do you want to come in for an interview? And like, she's like, realistically, you'll probably get the job. And I was like, that would be amazing. Like, at this point, I wasn't sure how I was going to get my foot in the door. And my dad had always made it clear, like, you're not coming straight into the business. Like, you need to go and work out for yourself kind of thing. He was like, I'll mm. help you with studying and I'll support you with the knowledge. But work-wise, you need to go and do this yourself. And I'm glad he did. So... I went and did an interview for Old Mutual when I got the job and I worked there for two years. So I was in sort of general admin, money in, money out, that kind of thing. They were amazing. They put me through RO1, they put me through RO2 and they paid for it and I passed, which was great. Yep. Then I was like, I think this is what I want to do. Like I enjoyed RO1 and 2 and the knowledge in there, I thought it's quite intense. I feel like I'm getting it and I'm doing okay at it. So let's sort of give it a go. So I did that. Um, whilst I was at Old Mutual, they started running their Old Mutual Wealth Financial Advisor course. Mm-hmm. So I was like, perfect, I'll do that. So I did that. That was great. That got me my level four with LIBF. So I sort of had a mixture of the two, but I did have my level four. Yeah. Um, I then found a trainee power planning role that I applied for and got that job. And at that point, that was like gold dust. Like finding a trainee, anything, power planner, financial mm-hmm. advisor just wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. So I went, I started that job and um, to be honest, I don't know what I expected. I don't think I even really knew what a power planner was. In my head, it was like, right, that's my next step. Everyone says that's my next step. It's what you need to do before you be a good financial advisor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for it. Started that job and I sat there on my first few days and I thought, I don't even know like what an illustration is. I don't know what a key features is. I don't know what a kid is. I thought, realistically I really don't know a lot of what a power planner does Mm -hmm. so they were great because it was a trainee role so I was doing a bit of admin and they would show me a lot of stuff so they would show me what an illustration is um, and all those sort of things and when you think about it I did the exams and I had the knowledge I knew what this ISO I was setting up was Mm. but no one's ever showed me how to do an illustration and there's all these different platforms that I know nothing about didn't even know half of them existed and that's just a whole other part of the job that you don't think about Mm. So they were great. Um, I did, I sort of got a bit more finding my feet there. I did some illustrations and some admin. I didn't really write many reports, so I didn't really feel like I got into a proper power planning role, if you like. Okay. Well, let's let's pause it there a minute. Mm. So you were working at Quilter. Yep. It, was old, it was Old Mutual, yeah? Yeah, it was Old Mutual then. Yeah, now now Quilter. So when you were mm-hmm. working at Old Mutual, you went in as you got got lucky at Debenhams, right place, right time. Yeah. 
someone yeah. someone said come along in and we'll, we'll give you the job you'd already got ro1 under your belt or you were already studying towards ro1 just studying so just reading just the book seeing what i thought and they then paid for me to take it and pass it so actually what was quite was quite apparent although it was a chance meeting having that mm-hmm. conversation with her about the fact that you were already studying towards ro1 and you were aware of what ro1 was and that your dad was a financial planner even that minimum bit of information about the role of a financial planner or the career of the profession was enough for mm-hmm. someone to say come on in you probably get the job so again Definitely. it's just like anybody that's kind of setting off i think on their journey just starting is the key thing because it's a conversational piece and you don't know when you're going to bump into somebody it could be commenting on someone's post on linkedin or sending a message but if you're already starting the journey there's an element of buy-in from the other person that you are interested and keen because there's a commitment isn't there to doing the qualifications that show that you've kind of at least thought about it a hundred percent and if anyone comes to me now and says I'm looking to sort of start a career in financial planning I will always say no matter what you're doing now pick up one book whether it's RO1 anything really any of those CF1 which I think is sort of the the level down slightly and just then when you speak to them you're showing them that you've got some interest and you're giving it a go and I think that definitely puts you ahead of other people who haven't absolutely I agree 100% just get get going and then sort of um it it opens up opportunities so when you then joined old mutual you went in as was it like a was there a um, I know that they've got the quilter advisor school for instance now okay Mm -hmm. but was there like a, a specific training program that you embarked on or was it just chucking you into an admin team and we'll show you as you go yeah it was basically just chucking me into an admin role Um, just general sort of processing money out and I think one thing they were really good at is they were like you are just admin and you're probably not going to have a career because at that point they weren't really pushing people through to financial planners I was just looked at as if I would just be admin but they Mm. were more than happy to put me through my exams and give me time to study and they probably they probably show me more support in that side of things than a lot of other companies that I've worked for. It's Charlie. I'm sorry to interrupt you mid-episode, but I had an idea and if you've been thinking about it, I might just have the answer. If you've been sat here thinking, I need more support in my career, I don't have access to everything I need to put me on this career trajectory all these guests on the podcast have, I know where you need to go and you need to click the link in the description which will take you to the Financial Planner Life Academy. This is the first fully independent academy. You'll have access to all the resources you need for all of your qualifications, plus soft skills training, live Q&As with experts and a load of career advice in there as well. I won't keep you any longer so you can get back to the episode but click that link in the description if I've made you curious. What, why do you think that is then? Why do you think they've shown you more support than some of the other companies you've worked for? To be honest, I think it was just the general com- company ethos. I think they just really did believe in their staff. I think they wanted to train them as much as they could. They wanted them to have as much knowledge as possible because even the exams I was doing, it didn't really have much to do with what I was doing on a day-to-day basis at all. Like The closest link would be the fact I was disinvesting an ISA like that was it like there was no massive link like they did not have to put me through those exams at all the very fact that they showed an interest in you and appealed to that side of your personal development was Mm. for you something that made you feel quite looked after and sort of um invested in 
Oh, 100%. And I was there for a good couple of years, I think. And to be honest, if I didn't have such strong desire to be a financial planner, I would have 100% stayed there longer because they, they just looked after me and they I just felt all the time that they wanted me to do better and take exams. And, and I do think that can be quite hard to come by nowadays. Mm. And it counts for such a lot. When you were in that role then, were you of the mindset obviously you spoke to your dad your dad's a financial planner I love the fact that your dad didn't just say come and work for me you know he actually said well you know we'll put you through some of the exams I'll help you out in that respect you're going to have to find your own way and I think that's quite uh you know a good thing for a father to do because if they make it too easy then it comes too easy doesn't it so he said go off there and try and find your own path if you want to be a financial planner off you go and find a job and, and and that's exactly what what you did now when you joined old mutual at that stage, though, knowing what your dad did, which was play with money and drink tea, did you think to, did you think to yourself that is what you wanted to do? You made that decision that I want to be a financial planner. If I'm going into Old Mutual, my goal long term is to be a financial planner. Did you set your stall out in that direction? I don't think straight off the bat. I think at first I thought, oh, handy, got the job at Old Mutual, that will do. And yeah. they put me through a couple of exams. I thought, brilliant. And then I think what it was is when I started to do ro2 and get a bit more technical and things like that then i thought I'd, i like this this is where i want to go with this however i think i still had loads more to realize and think about in the, that time then to being a financial planner now and i think i had times where i thought oh maybe i'll just be a power planner and then i had times where i was like i want to be a, a, a financial planner this is what i want to do and and one of the main things as well was i had a really really lovely boss at old mutual mm. and I said to her, I said, oh, do you think, because I was, so I was like 18 at this point. I was like, do you think I could be a financial planner? And she was so kind and she wrote, wrote me this reference and it was the nicest reference. And it really, I think it was one of those points in my life where I thought, oh, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is a job I could do. And she just wrote some such lovely things in there and things in there that would make you a good financial advisor. So to build a connection quickly and sort of warm and things like that. And I took that to nearly every job I then went to from there. And it was, yeah, it's one of those things that I always remember. It was so, it was so nice of her. So someone invested a little bit of time in you to talk to you about the role of a financial planner, but also to get to know you and your personality and to pull out the bits of you that would make a great planner and took the time and energy to put it down in a reference. And that yourself, yeah, that's a great little tool, actually. I mean, that's a great thing for somebody to do if they're in a role and they want someone to kind of give them a reference that, yeah, brilliant, great bit of advice. I think that is, you know, yeah. speak to somebody to to be able to give you a reference. So you And did you think that reference really helped you when you went to those other job opportunities? opportunities in the future um I don't think it helped me loads mainly because the jobs I went to from there were for power planning and the skills that she talked about were more aimed at a financial planner mm. I, I think it the main thing is it just really built my confidence right. it's just because whenever I speak to my dad of course he's going to say I'm going to make a great like great financial planner because he's my dad yep. and but when someone else says it who's like a, a manager at old mutual wealth who's been there a long time who's met loads of people and they just they wrote a kind reference because they wanted to it just counted for such a lot and it just happened by accident to be honest I didn't I never expected to get such a nice reference that I would hold with me for so long yeah. but I did and like you said that sort of thing actually would maybe help other people to go and ask for something like that and see see what they say 
I think you're absolutely right there. Anybody who's listening to this that might be a financial planner is to inspire the next generation. You know, remember what it was like when you were working in an administration role, perhaps you didn't feel that you had a clear idea or pathway to becoming the financial planner that you are now. And by investing that little bit of time and by, um, you know, inspiring somebody 15 20 minutes taking the, like, taking the time out to write a reference is pretty fantastic yeah. it really does plant the seed and sort of taps into an individual's confidence and ambition and makes them believe that they can push forward sometimes all we need is a bit of an arm around our shoulder and a bit of encouragement isn't it 100 percent, definitely and i think it it just counts for, for such a lot and it definitely i think the main thing for me was the confidence it gave me to go out there and give it a go Brilliant. So when you were working there, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of digging deep on that first opportunity, because I think a lot of people think about their first opportunity to getting into financial planning. So you were there for how long? About two, maybe two and a half years, I think. About two and a half years. So mm-hmm. you did it. How many exams did you do when you were there? So I did two, maybe in the first year. And then I did the so it was the so now it's the quilter financial advisor school back then it was the old mutual one I think I was maybe the first cohort I was like right at the start like they sent an email internally like does anyone want to do this and I was like me I will do that that sounds great so I did that alongside working at old mutual okay great stuff so again joining the first company that you joined did have a personal development plan in place for anybody by the sounds of it so if you started out as an administrator regardless of whether or not they had an opportunity for you to become a financial planner they had something in place that kind of ran alongside your role that got you through qualifications and got your skill set up definitely definitely and it was they were brilliant they were i think old mutual were now were amazing all right, fabulous. Okay, great stuff. So you did your RO exams, RO1, RO2 within the first couple of years. You mentioned there the LIBF qualification as well. So um, you, you, what did you do then? You switched over from ROs over to LIBF whilst you were at, whilst you were at Old Mutual through their sort of in-house training academy. Is that right? Yes. So um, I saw the advertisement for that and I thought, great, I'll do that. It was kind of advertised like a we will get you to be a financial planner kind of thing. So I was like, that sounds brilliant. And then I then realized it was a different route. So when I spoke to them, they said that my RO1 counted as the first sort of part of LIBF. So that was great. So I went in halfway through and continued to do the rest of it. And that then got me a level four with LIBF. And then I did actually go back and switch just the II in the end, but we can come back to that. Oh, right. Okay. So when you went, when you decided to go, yeah, this is the question I was going to ask you because there's a whole battle, isn't there, between like, oh, uh, you, yeah. know, you know, CII, LIBF, CISI, which is the best one, you know, and everything. So what, you know, when, when, the, when you were doing your RO exams and you switched over to LIBF, I've got to ask a question. What did, what did the old man say? What did your dad say about that? Uh, do you know what? He didn't say a lot at the time, but in hindsight, I think he did always want me to go back and do the CII ones he right. never say he did but he seemed quite happy when I did go back and do the CII exam and I think that is also a part of how I am as a person and how I work and study because I think he knew there is a bit more technical information in the ROs and I think he knew the way I study and I learn I would benefit from that as a person I don't think it's for everyone I think different routes for different people but I think he knew me as a person would suit better with the with the RO exams. Okay. When you were in that administration role, did there come a point where you knew that you were ready or 
I don't know, your confidence had grown based on the knowledge that you had gained, that you were ready to take the next step to becoming what happened was a, for you as a trainee power planner. Was there a point where you thought, you know, I'm ready for this? Not really. No. I don't think, to be honest, I think it just it just happened. I think I sort of got to a, a time period where I've been at Old Mutual and I thought I kind of need to take the next steps now if if I want this, I'm going to go further. Otherwise, I probably would just stay at Old Mutual because it was safe and it was comfortable and it was good. So I think I saw the advertisement. And like I said, it was unusual to see a trainee power planner role. Mm. So I just I just went for it, really. And I think I did soon realise I didn't know a lot in terms of the power planning role. But you you learn, don't you? You do. I do think it's one of those jobs you do learn on the job as long as someone's got the time and the patience to show you, which I think is important. Okay, so you at that point you were sort of looking at so you're at Old Mutual. You kind of sounds to me a little bit like you perhaps sort of hit hit a bit of a ceiling, if you like, in respect of your development. You wanted to become a power planner. There wasn't a clear route to becoming a power planner, and you and you did a little bit of searching around, saw a trainee role which was as rare as hen's teeth. You know, (laughs) it's only now you're starting to see trainee roles, and that's only because recruiters are telling companies to advertise them as trainee roles. (laughs) Um, So you saw that, and you thought, well, I'm going to have a go at that, and I want to step up into the role of power planner. Why? What made you think, or what made you decide? that it was the power planning route that you wanted to go down and not straight into financial planning? To be completely honest, I don't think I felt it was possible. Right. When I looked online, I couldn't see any trainee advisor roles and anything that looked like a possible starter role, if you like, always said, okay, we have to be competent. I was thinking, how am I going to go into a a sort of like a a basic role as competent? If I, it, it just didn't make any sense. It contradicts each other because being in a trainee role would then maybe you would do your competency and then you'd become an advisor and I couldn't see as far as I was aware I didn't know of any other way to become competent before starting that role so right. I just I think to be honest I just didn't think it was a possible route okay so for you it was like I've got to go down the training mm. I've got to go down the, the power planning route before I become a financial planner now the thing is as well you've gone from administrator you've gone into power planner and now you are a financial advisor you know, I know we're sort of skipping forward a little bit, but do you think that the route that you've gone down from admin to power planner to financial planner was the right route for you? Or do you think that you were, you could have been able to jump from admin, get your level four and go straight into financial planning? I don't think so. I think it was the right route for me. I think at some power planning roles, I didn't feel like I was learning loads, but in other power planning roles, I felt like I was learning tons. And that's from lots of different things so from writing a report to technical knowledge to tax calculations to using platforms and I think I think it would have been even more daunting than it is now going into a training financial advisor role not having done that I think that really built up my my knowledge and but mainly my knowledge to be honest of platforms tax things like that and then I feel like I've taken that knowledge gone into a trainee financial planner role and now it's more about my confidence and sitting in front of clients and those sort of skills so I think it has been good for me and also it's meant that I can step in as a trainee financial planner at my dad's company and I know what I'm doing most of the time not all the time but most of the time I've done this illustration or I've written that report or I've seen a case like this before I've done that tax calculation and I think that was also a big relief for my dad to know that he doesn't need to watch me all the time I don't always need his help and it is more about spending the time together in client meetings, building up my confidence, knowing what to say, 
then maybe passing them on to me and then they're my clients. So for me, I think it was it was definitely the right route. Is that also because in your role at the moment as a financial advisor, essentially you're a trainee financial advisor at the moment, aren't you? Is that because like your role is more of a hybrid in the sense that you do your own power planning as well as seeing clients when you can see clients? Because you're a trainee as such, you've still got one foot in the camp of being a power planner. So perhaps you're doing your own power planning, some, some power planning for other people and you're stepping into the world of becoming a face-to-face financial planner. Is, is that right assumption? So, yes, it is. So um, my dad and his firm, they have always done a lot of their own power planning. They are set up in the way that they do write their own reports. Um, they don't normally do their illustrations and stuff like that, but mainly their reports, they are written by them. And mm. I actually did take a stance when I was power planning because a lot of the firms I worked for um, sometimes felt like, the power planner does everything apart from speak to the client mm. and I always t- kind of had the mindset that I actually did want to do my own reports and do my own research at least at the start whilst I maybe have a bit more time because sometimes it felt like I was writing these reports they're like yep yeah, we've checked them and they sort of send it back in five minutes and it's like well you, you probably haven't read all of it and you're going to sit in front of that client and if I've made a mistake like that's you should have read it and especially with my dad's firm it's a very personal firm and we're very close to all of our clients and I kind of want to know that I sit in front of this client we have a real good chat and I can then take that away and put that straight into a report that I have written myself and it's Mm. all come from me whether that changes as as I get busier and and things like that I don't know and I I know how important a good power planner can be and it may change but at the moment that is still still my stance. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because you have to have the, your confidence isn't going to be sky high when you're going into client meetings. Mm. So you do want to feel like you've got some control over the the delivery of the presentation or the report or whatever it is you're sitting down with your client to deliver. So if you're used to doing your own, you know, your own, your own reports, then Mm. that's only going to give you the confidence, isn't it? You can't, you know, trusting someone else to do that when you are not a hundred percent confident yourself going perhaps into that meeting would be a bit like, be a bit much definitely yeah I can get that yeah okay so cool so one thing we've sort of alluded to there and you've mentioned is that throughout your career you've done power planning roles with different companies and those different power planning those power planner roles have been vastly different and something that I sort of come up against and have done over the years is the term power planner it gets used and banded around quite a lot and we would sit down with a candidate who says, I want to be a power planner, you know, and you go through the CV and say, okay, so you've done two years of power planning here. Give us an overview of what it is you've done in that role. And when they give me an overview or give one of the guys an overview of that position, in our head, they're not doing a power planning role. You know, they're doing like an administration position or a senior administration position with a bit of PA in there. So it's a, it's a kind of job title that, that's getting used incorrectly, I, I personally think. I agree. Um, now you've gone through administration to becoming a financial planner and you've worked at different companies in different power planner roles. So let's talk about those different roles and the different responsibilities you had at different companies to see what the differences actually are. So you moved on from um, Quilter, Old Mutual, Quilter, mm-hmm. over to Compass Wealth Management. And that was when you went into the power planner position, but that was a trainee role. So Talk to me about that then. Was that vastly different, say, from when you then went on to Origin and became a power planner? Definitely. And it's in terms of lots of different things as well. So 
in the trainee role I had a lot of support which is perfect that's exactly what you need because like I said there is so many unknowns and I think in the financial planning world in general there is always something new there's always something different so and it was for me it was sort of things like didn't really do the tax calculations at um, the trainee role I didn't really research platforms so they were sort of pre-selected for us so they were just given to us and we would write the report based on that um funds we didn't select any funds we just again it was sort of pre-selected given to us and we'd write it um there was a lot of templates um so we wouldn't write a lot of our own wording we wouldn't amend the law it was sort of all pre-done for us and um, there was some admin in there sort of um like you said a bit of paing with the with the advisors that kind of thing basic letters like better nicer that kind of thing and then if you then take that to also sorry there wasn't a lot of what I found later in my career was a lot of people came in to talk to us about different things whether that was platforms whether that was a platform person if you like representative but they'd come in to tell you all about these things to do with drawdown pensions or or that kind of thing and you'd learn a lot about the technical knowledge you need to then apply to the role so then if we jump forward to origin my final power planning role it felt completely different like we would do all the tax calculations we would research all the products and we the research was so detailed you had to really make sure that product was right for that for that client and it would go off to compliance and it would it would be scrutinized like you had to make note of basically everything that was in your head while you picked it the charges the what it stands for why it's for that client that kind of thing the reports had to be very personal they had to you had to go through all the advisor's notes you have to check the advisor had uploaded all the documents you need that kind of thing id and then you had to take the advisor's words and put them into the report and make sure it was correct and you had to make sure it was as if you sat in that meeting you mm. had to take everything they had be that advisor and write that report and um yeah then it was it would always be scrutinized and it just every single detail to would be just looked at and made sure it was correct and i felt like in that role I learned tons so 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 much we had a lot of complex cases with like sasses and sips and it's like a whole nother world mm. and you have and on on the daily I would I would realize I still have so much to learn absolutely mm. like I have so much more knowledge to learn so many ways I could improve my report writing and that we had people in to talk about grammar and then how to say the right thing and we used to do exercises where we would all get given <laughs> this is pretty brutal we'd all get given each other's reports to basically scrutinize like right. to the point where the paragraphs should be aligned right like right down to the final details because they felt very strongly that if this was going out to a client with origin's name on it it had to be perfect mm. and i have taken a lot of that with me going forward like i never thought i would but now i'm looking at the alignment of my own reports i thought oh, i'd never do this mm. but i get it like if something was spelt wrong like you're in trouble like you can't be given this client who's got hundreds of thousands of pounds maybe even millions and we felt we've spelled the fund wrong <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean it can't be it can't it just can't happen and then you would you wouldn't be given funds we'd have a, a specialist fund guy who would present to us a lot of funds and we would then choose which fund was appropriate for this client again that was a whole nother thing you had to know like why why was it did he want a DFM did he want a managed fund did you want a portfolio of funds? I and mean, that's just, it's like a whole other thing you have to know. Mm. I think when you get into a real, a real, real power planning job, there's tons, there's tons in there. And it just all comes with, with time, I think, personally. 
So you, on one hand, you you know, and this, you know, they, they advertised it's a trainee power planner role, didn't they? The the com- mm-hmm. compass when you left Quilter, you went to yeah. the trainee power planner position. So it was very mm-hmm. much templated. Are the differences? Do you think one's I origin IFA? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was yeah. was compass IFA. Yeah. No, oh, I would say like I can understand the templating and everything around, say a restricted proposition where you only had a select. No. So, okay, so that's strange, isn't it? So, yeah, so you're going in as a trainee. When you were in that trainee power planner role with Compass, for example, were there power planners at the level that you were at at Origin within Compass, or were you all sort of doing this template work? Um, I think maybe not as sort of detailed stuff as Origin, but there definitely was people that have been there for longer than me. They were probably doing the more complicated cases. Right. Perhaps they were doing the tax calculations, but... Um, yeah, Origin was definitely just just a whole nother level. And that's in my head, if I then went for another job and what didn't go the route I am have gone down now, that is what I would expect from a true power planning role. And the reason why they can't like power plans can be so well paid and it can be such a good career. And that is what I think of when I think of that route, that role. Great. Okay. Well, that's good to know. You know, that is good to know. I think anybody listening to this, if they're in a position where they're doing a lot of templated stuff and perhaps they're getting a bit bored, they don't feel they're getting pushed to their full capacity, but they're calling themselves a power planner, then perhaps they're not. And they should be looking to either get more work or get more experience from the firm they're in, or even look to sort of take their experience of being a trainee and step across into a firm where they can be trained up to be what I would consider to be called a true power planner. The other, the, the one you described to me, the trainee power planner, I think it's a job title. I don't think it's actually, I think the role itself is like senior administration, isn't it, almost? Definitely. And there's, there's always, I feel like, a crossover between the two, to be honest. They sort of dip in and out and maybe you'll do you'll do some of their jobs, they'll do some of your jobs. And also it's quite easy for them to move into a power plan role because it's not that crazy. It's not It's not that difficult. It's Yeah. Yeah, it's quite similar. So do you find that, also as well, when you went in for the trainee advisor position into the power planner position, at that point, you're level four qualified LIBF stroke ROs, yeah? A couple of ROs, yeah. LIBF. Yeah. When did you then make the decision to, were you power planning when you made the decision to do the rest of your ROs? Um, so that decision mainly came from, people don't take the LIBF as seriously as they do CII. And I, I feel like I definitely have seen that firsthand. Right. Um, there has been times where it's like, yes, we don't really count that as, as level four. Okay. So when I saw, <laughs> I think it is. But, how do you feel about um, that? What do you, you know, how do you feel about that when you, when you're in an interview or someone's sort of putting down the fact that you've got the LIBF qualification, how do you, how do you feel about that? I think if it wasn't in an interview setting and it was a general chat, I'd say, okay, well, why is it classed as level four then? Why is it respected at the same level? If it's not, then tell me why it is, it's still sat there and it is classed as a level four and you can give advice on that. It doesn't really, I, I kind of get it when you look at the difference in technical information within the two exams. But again, like I said, I think it just depends on the person. And to be honest, there's, I won't lie, and there's definitely exams I have done with CII that I've retained all this technical knowledge. I don't use it every day. Like, no way. There's stuff in there that is long gone from my mind. And to be honest, if I think about it, probably the stuff that's within the LIBF exam is more the stuff I would do every day, like 100%. And I do, I think it's very unfair and it should not 
be seen like that and maybe they should make a bit more of a conscious effort to understand how that person works in in regards to how they study and how they mm. learn and and what that means and, and to be honest they may have learned a whole lot more knowledge on the job they've been in before mm. you just you just don't know so if it wasn't in an interview setting I I, I probably would say you that it. sort of question but obviously I wanted the job so <laughs> not yeah. going to tell him what they but, want to um, hear <laughs> yeah absolutely but um yeah it's it's a strange one I hope going forward it's not always like that but I ended up doing the CI exams because I just felt personally they were better for me and I felt like I would benefit from that knowledge more than anything and I want to make sure now when I sit in front of clients I know what I'm talking about and the CII exams was the best way for me to do that. So what the exams were the best way for you to do that or was it the study material the depth of what you actually learned? A bit of both like I really love that loads and loads of technical information and I like studying it and I like retaining it and understanding it putting it into practice and then and then doing the exam and things like that and I I think because life gets so busy if I'd done the LIBF and not done the ROs I probably wouldn't go out of my way to find out some of the information that maybe I needed on a certain day that was maybe in that CI exam if you know what I mean Okay. No, I've got you. I've got you. All right. Great stuff then. So you did trainee power planner position. Then you decided to move on from there because yeah, well, why? So you're, you're at Compass, you're, you're in a trainee power planner position. You seem quite ambitious or are you just jumping around if I looked at your CV? You know, but let's, let's get, let's get down to it. This is my recruiter yeah. in me coming out now, but you're obviously quite ambitious. So you were trainee power planner, then, then you move to origin and you do this full power planner position. So just talk to me about how that came about, because if someone's listening to this and they're sat in a position that you were in and they want to step up into this, what you consider to be a true power planner position, why and how did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. So I have to admit, I'm a little bit of a jumper. Yeah. <laughs> my other half gives me sick all the time but it all it all comes down to the fact that I really do believe you have to be happy and if I'm not happy don't get me wrong it's not as easy now I've got a house I can't just say oh not happy here we go again but back then if I wasn't happy I'd just be like let's see what else else is out there and the thing is with a power planning role is you are in quite high demand mm. and I found that when I was going out there I was like one of two interviewing and I'm thinking well I got this like it's fine so I sort of felt with the trainee role I wasn't going as far as I wanted I wasn't learning as much as I wanted I wanted to pick those funds and do those tax calculations and also at that point I was thinking about okay what are my next steps am I going to be a financial planner somewhere else before I go to my dad or I need to kind of bear that in mind Another part of it, I have to admit, is I wanted to work from home because I wanted a dog. <laughs> so okay. I was kind of on a high alert for a power planning role that was at home. And also, I do feel like once you've got the knowledge, you can 100% do it from home. Yeah. It is a, a definite working from home role. So I came across Origin and um, I just really liked what they stood for. I had They had a quite intense recruitment process. You had an online exam to start with, I think then a telephone chat and then I went in for a third interview before I got the role and I just really liked them and I had a lovely lady who was my manager head of power planning and I think straight off the bat you could see it was a real like proper power planning role like you will even just from the test they sent me like there was loads of like real questions in there that you would maybe experience in a real power planning role on a day-to-day basis about pension allowance that kind of thing and um and I also got the feeling from them, it's hard, isn't it? As in just from an interview, you've got to try and grasp these things. 
but I got the feeling from them that they were willing to support me and I said look I, I'm not 100% sure yet but I'm thinking maybe I want to be a, a financial planner I want to be a financial advisor like will you support me They're like yeah like obviously we expect you to be a power mm. planner for a while and and build you up and see what, what you're good at what you're not that kind of thing and they were like we'd be more than happy to support you so and it was a big firm so you sort of felt like they maybe had capacity to and it was also three days working from home two days in the office which was amazing and I soon went down to one day I think about six months in I went to one day in the office four days at home because I managed to get the dog which I was very happy about um so and it was great like the one the one sometimes two days in the office meant you got to see people you got to see faces but then the the four three days at home you could really like get into that case and some of them were really intense like really really complicated cases but you could like you could be at home silence you could get into that case you could do those tax cancellations and there was always someone on the other end of the phone mm. if you needed help there was always more experienced power planners there was ones in the other same boat as you that maybe just chat through a case to think oh am I going crazy but also the advisors the advisors were great there's loads of advisors and again if you could manage to pin them down because they're obviously busy people but if you could get hold of them they were always happy to to chat through the case and it felt quite like my case is their case and their case is my case like it was together we were doing this sort of together they wanted to make sure what I was putting into the report was what they wanted which mm. is the right way to be because their name's going to be on it so yeah no it was good all right great stuff so it sounded to me a little bit like again you know you joined a firm which were thinking right we've got somebody here we, in, like, as you abs- absolutely rightfully pointed out power planners in high demand still are in high demand and always will be I think Mm-hmm. Um, There's very few power planners out there. So I think you were right to go out and have a little look on the market. When you are in high demand, you can push a you can push your salary up, but also yeah. the opportunities are out there for you to step into a firm that would invest in you. And if they're mm-hmm. a forward-thinking company that can take you on the route of becoming a financial planner or give you more exposure to the financial planners, perhaps sitting into client meetings and help you progress that those soft skills, those skill sets, those attributes that you need to be able to transfer into the financial planning role, then why not take advantage of that? And that's um, it's my advice to any power planner, really. And also about being happy. I like that. You know, you mentioned that you like to work from home. So many companies pre, pre-COVID were yeah. so against like power planners working from home. And we were like, well, why? You know, why are you so against mm-hmm. power planners working from home? We had to convince so many that it was a good idea. They just wanted them in the office. I think perhaps a bit of an element of control. Like, I don't know. Um, but you're a living proof and experience that actually working from home, you're able to focus effectively on the task at hand and get stuck into some of these more complex cases. So, did, you know, is there a massive difference between the office and working for home? Yeah, I would say so. It, it, there's distractions, isn't there? Like, yeah. I know some people can sort of ignore that and let that go over the over their head. But if someone next to me is like eating a bacon sandwich and wants to have a chat, I probably want to have a bacon sandwich and have a chat too. Like, yeah. it's, it's difficult. And if there's sort of people that are my friends are at work, like, I want to have a quick little chat or there is 100% more distractions. And I think a mixture of the two is nice. I think that keeps you in touch with people, lets you see real people and you get that time to focus at home. And also, at the end of the day, nowadays, we have such intelligent software that they knew what I was doing anyway. Do you know what I mean? They, they knew I was writing my report. They knew I was online. As long as you're not, and to be honest, because of that, because they knew what you were doing and they knew you were, you, you were filing out the reports and you are doing well, if I did disappear for 20 minutes, it wasn't the end of the world. No. And I hope the other side of coming out of COVID, more companies will be like that because it will 
it will entice a lot more people like I went for that job one of the main points was because they were willing to be flexible and it was a do you think it's a good do you think power planning is a great job for somebody who's looking for flexible working hours I do I don't know at this point in time how many companies would be that flexible in the switching a little bit one of the reasons I wanted to be a financial advisor slash planner was because when I was younger my my dad would always be at my netball matches you mm. know what I mean he would he would always be there because he didn't he had the flexibility in that role he could he could speak to a client at nine o'clock at night probably not but if he needed to and it's fine some people do do you know what I mean we've had client meetings at seven eight o'clock and it, it meant that he could finish it too and he could come watch watch me play so it was like in my eyes when I was younger I would I would like that when when I have kids and and when that becomes my life and I'm not sure if a a parallel role would be that flexible I'd like to think they would like I think it'd be great if a parent like a company said you know what if you want to log off at two and log back in at eight and and do that report fine I think that'd be brilliant going forward but I'm not sure we're quite quite there yet did you find that it was a bit like not calling you a donkey here but do you think they sometimes (laughs) where are you going with this (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're not a donkey do you think um do you think sometimes a company loads work up on a power planner a little bit like a donkey? You know, you just keep on loading things up on top of a donkey, don't you? And they keep on carrying oh, it. And they plod along and they trot along. Silly. And then all their legs break. And they, all little they donkeys, <laughs> yeah. But do, do you feel like sometimes that, you know, well, we've got a power planner in it. We're paying them, you know, especially a decent wage now. Let's let's chuck as much mm. work as we can on them and um, and work them to death. Do you think in sometimes in a power planner role, you it, you can be overworked? It can be a lot of, is there a lot of pressure involved in it? A hundred percent. So uh, something that I found interesting in my last role was it's the, it was the first role I'd been in where there was, there was targets in terms of reports, mm. which when I first joined was a strange concept to me because every report is different. Like I could get one pension transfer report, it's nice and easy, like just one and and then another one could have eight and they could be the most complicated pensions in the whole entire world. But they were classed as the same thing. So don't get wrong, you could flag it and say, this one is different, I need longer. Yeah. But generally, there was a lot of power planners and they had to work to their, to their um, targets. And, and that was, it was strange because at the same time they're saying, keep your reports great, keep your, keep your everything, all your information correct, all your, your research and stuff like that, but you're on a time limit. And it needs to be done so it's like okay well something has to give here either my report's not going to be a hundred percent or you give me another day to do it and don't come down on me when I haven't done it kind of thing and then on the same point you send it off to compliance it comes back with some red crosses and that normally is all on the power planner and sometimes it's, it's not our fault it's the fact that the advisor hasn't given you the right information or you've run it past the advisor and they said yep let's go for that however compliance doesn't like it but normally I feel like it does come back on the power planner and me as a person I'm quite a sensitive person that's mm-hmm. been like one of my things the main time like the whole point of my career all the way through that's something that's been sort of probably my biggest weakness and I'd find that quite hard if I'd spent like three days writing this report and the advisor's like it's great you've done really well and then compliance are like it's awful and your boss is like what was that it's like oh, oh like I've tried so hard mm. yeah it's it's a funny one it's, it's strange so not often something we think about the pressure upon a power planner to get it right first time mm. um so you felt that pressure then there is pressure in the role of being a power planner to get it right first time that you are doing the job that you should be doing you know um because someone might come down and you're the person to, do you feel that power planners get blamed a lot for the, 
for the delay, let's say, or the lack of information that's on a report or, or... 100% and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of feeling that all oh, the, the financial advisors are so busy they've got a lot to do like you're kind of helping them out and I think sometimes they forget that some homeowners do a lot of work like the reports they write like I've seen reports like 40 pages long with like the most complex complex tax calculations within there and they just put their name on it and and take it with them and, and get the fee and it's like because someone just say and honestly when some advisors used to say thank you or like you've done a really good job it was like the nicest thing ever it would it would count for such a lot it's like you know what I tried really hard I read that report five times to make sure there's no spelling mistakes do you know what I mean it's, and when they on the rarity they turn around and say oh, that's a great report it just counted for so much so actually a bit of positive feedback from a financial advisor to a power planner is you know well received um, 100% I think it's really difficult sometimes isn't it especially when you are a bit more sensitive and perhaps even if you're having a bad week you know we all go through mm-hmm. our ups and downs don't we and I mean when you've got a workload which is high in you know it's high intensity anyway there's a high workload in place you're going through a bit of stress perhaps maybe something personal whatever it might well be we like we say we all go through ups and downs in our work and all of a sudden, like you got all that pressure upon you and then no one's giving you any of that feedback positive when it actually is positive. You kind of feel weighed yeah. down, don't you? You know, we Definitely. all need a pat on the back sometimes to let us know when we're doing something right. As, when, as much as we need it when we're sort of doing something wrong. Do you feel that sometimes people are quick to say you're doing something wrong and not as quick to tell you when you're doing something right? Definitely. I think that is, sadly, that is the case. I think people are quicker to jump on you've done something wrong then that was brilliant and I think it's also I remember when I first did my first power planning role and I, I had this sudden realization that I was like this is real money like I'm not writing a report about monopoly money or I'm not submitting an application of monopoly money like this is his client's pension fund if I mess this up like it could be terrible and I think I had this sudden realization where I was like oh it's quite overwhelming like what if I get this wrong kind of thing and I still get that now I submitted something um, like slightly wrong a couple of weeks ago for my dad and I felt like my heart like sunk in my stomach I was like I'm so sorry and he was absolutely funny that these things happen like we're only human but I felt awful like when I realised I'd made the mistake and and that's with my dad who I know is not gonna come down on me hard but I know I've been in situations with other firms where I've done something wrong and it is awful the feeling but like people do make mistakes like these things happen. Mm. People need to feel that, you know, if they do make a mistake, like you said, it does happen, you know, and, um, but that's the reason why there are multiple sort of, you know, routes to go through, you know, you you know, power planner, so the financial planner looking at it, so the compliance manager looking at it, there's all these things in place to reduce the risk of anything going wrong, isn't it? And um, Mm. I think we've always got to allow for human error. We're humans, aren't we? You know, that's going to happen. Good bit of advice there, really, for any power planners listening that, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. So you're going to make mistakes. Definitely. And um, yes, it is real money. It's not monopoly money. Um, and fingers crossed, you've got a team of people around there that understand the pressures that you've gone through. And I think also as well, that sort of counts for any financial planners that have gone through the power planning route. So if someone's gone down the admin power planner to financial planning route, like for you, you for example, now as a financial mm-hmm. planner, at least you know that if you're working with a power planner or administrator, you've done the role and you can empathize with the situation that they're in, the pressure they're under and the time restraints. So you can be 100%. more realistic with expectations to the client, but also to yourself and to that individual to take that pressure and stress off of them. Whereas someone going into a firm and the expectation is, well, you're the power planner. You should be doing this work for me. You know, I want it done by this time. 
absolutely no care or consideration for that individual's well-being or mental health. You're just piling it up on them mm-hmm. like I go back to, like a donkey. And no, um, absolutely. I've heard that. Definitely. You know, I've heard that a lot. Yeah, and I think that is one thing I took from doing that route through admin power planning to advisors is that now if I had a power planner, I know exactly how it feels. I know exactly the pressures you're under and how much you want to get it right. And I think that would would just be a good good thing to be aware of having done it myself and then perhaps having a power planner. Do you think also the quality of the work, the the fact find, let's say, yeah? So you sit down with the client, mm-hmm. all the information you gather from the client from your first meeting, do you think that you write it or articulate it in a way ready for, say, a power planner to be able to do the best job possible? Because you can almost preempt exactly the types of questions or the things that that power planner is going to go through. Definitely. That is definitely something I took from doing that journey. I saw plenty of fact finds where I thought, I have no idea what you're talking about, what I'm supposed to put in the report. But that just means me going forward. I know that I want to put detailed notes. I want to make every point I possibly can that we talked about in the meeting. Although I don't have a power planner now, if I did, they would know exactly what to do. And they, they shouldn't have to ask me the questions that I've asked advisors in the past. Yeah. Okay. And also, I suppose from the back of that as well is, the more as a power planner, you can get into client meetings and actually sit with your financial planner that you're power planning for and understand the conversation as a whole. And I think it's probably far easier now because you can watch recordings on the the Zoom meetings or you can sit in on a Zoom meeting easy peasy. I think Mm -hmm. um, you you hear a lot more now around power planners coming into the actual meetings and, and fully understanding it. So when they come out of it, they're like, at least I've got a video I can listen back to and I can deliver part of the part of the presentation as well. So A, it upskills me as a power planner in a client facing scenario, but it means that as I'm going through, I'm listening, I'm thinking, well, he hasn't asked that or she hasn't asked that or whatever. And you can jump in and make sure you get that information and go back to the video afterwards to, to, to grab it. So yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Cause it's, um, yeah, you're only human, aren't you? <laughs> you, know, you can... Absolutely. I'm not a mind reader. No, <laughs> I don't exactly. know what they said exactly exactly right so take that pressure off yourself and i think you know when we're in when people are in support positions they feel that that's the case it's their it, they're the support and it's like no this is mm. i have to remember that with people if i you know i'm i'm mr creative i'm off doing my thing why don't everybody understand what i'm thinking in my head a sam it's in your bloody head you know it's yeah head. so when i turn around yeah. and like why have you done that and they're like we well, haven't told me you haven't explained it to me and, and you know i've had to really ground myself around that so yeah I, i've destroyed some bloody <laughs> some support my wife worked for me for a year and a half we nearly got, we nearly got divorced honestly yeah, I, I wouldn't do that personally i think my other half would definitely kill me <laughs> exactly right so you've now stepped into the role you went from power planner to to ifa um and that's working at pmp invest limited okay so again you jump shit <laughs> yeah oh absolutely as soon as i rang my dad once a year are you ready to hire me please say yes and eventually uh... one year he was like I'm ready. And I was like, here we go. My name Lovely. is in prison. I'm off. <laughs> right. So your dad said to you, right, off you go. You can find your own path. And you found yep. your own path, got yourself to level four qualified, got loads of experience of power planning. You now wanted to become a financial planner. So it was, dad, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm going to work for yep. you. <laughs> Great stuff. So you had an opportunity to jump straight in as a, as, a, um, as a financial planner at your dad's firm then. So tell me about that then. So the last year then you've been working as a financial planner. Yeah, it's been it's been brilliant. It obviously wasn't what I expected with COVID and, and lockdown, but it's still it's still been great. A lot of people are like, do you not find it hard working with your dad? But me and my dad are basically the same person. Mm. We are so similar. 
that I think that's why it works. We're both really laid back, like we're both very chilled and like happy and easy go lucky kind of people that I think that that's why it works exactly like when I made that mistake he was like it's okay like these things happen mm. and I think that's why it works and also the plan will be for me to take over my dad's role eventually so he can take some time off and eventually retire and I take over his clients and I think the clients like it and I know they will like it going forward because because we are so similar like we've sat before lockdown in client meetings and come out and they're like you two are just so alike it's like sitting with the same person because we've got the same mannerisms we say yeah. the same things and the clients love that because they they trust my dad and my dad is near in retirement and these people may only just be entering their retirement so they're thinking right he's gonna take a step back so what's gonna happen to me whereas when I step in like a miniature female version of my dad and they're like great <laughs> because you can now sort out my retirement and, it, and it's like being with my dad which is the reason they came on board in the first place so you know, it's been great. And I did my my last couple of CII exams over the last year whilst we haven't been able to do anything. So now I'm CII level four. And then I've just started my chartered exams to hopefully, they're, they're hard, but hopefully do that over the next couple of years. And then hopefully my dad can take a step back and I can hopefully fill, fill his shoes. Fantastic. Well, that's really good. That's great. Now you stepped in, you've got to your goal. Okay, so let's just, mm. how long was it taking you to become a financial planner then? From starting out as an administrator to becoming a financial planner, how long did it take you? I think it was about five, five years, maybe five, six years. Okay, which sounds to me about the average when I ask people. I had a girl on the podcast, mm. um, Jessica McGuigan, actually, and it took her five years as well. Exactly the yeah. same. It's very, very similar to Root to yourself, except she was in yeah. one firm. All the, all the way through it was a dad's firm <laughs> jump, oh, jump ship. yeah but then you've moved around and you've seen roles and you've seen roles you've seen how different companies work so there's benefits to what Definitely. you've done there's benefits to staying in one place she was 19 and had a um uh, her son so for mm-hmm. her it was kind of like a flexible working for her and Definitely. that allowed her to, to be a young mum and mm-hmm. progress through and I really love the fact that she was able to do that and that's what I think mm-hmm. the profession for women actually does it allows you to be a mum absolutely and do the role of a financial planner. And there ain't many careers out there that do that um, and allow that for f- that, that sort of flexibility. Now let's talk about women in financial planning because you're obviously a great advocate of that. You're a role model to any, any women coming into the profession. You're part of Next Gen Planners as well, aren't you? Which is a financial planning community that do a lot of training and development and help you bring out your soft skills, et cetera. So tell us, first off, tell us a little bit about Next Gen Planners. What part have you played in Next Gen Planners and what benefit is it given you in respect of your career as a financial planner? Definitely. So I just came across um, Next Gen, I think, on somewhere like LinkedIn. Um, I was thinking about taking my chartered exams, didn't really know what route to take, what to do. Um, I noticed they had a, a chartered route, if you like. So you pay a certain amount of money and they, they put you through the exams and, and help you. So me and my dad discussed it and said and it's about a year and a half two years and we were like yeah that's the one so we had a chat with Adam who runs Next Gen and it just got really good oh he's brilliant I I literally love Adam he's great so we had a chat and we were like this is the right thing to do so um so either yet going to do chartered through them so I actually my last CII RO exam and Adam helped me with that and I was like this is definitely the best way to go so then the start of the new year started prepping for my first um AF exam yeah with next gen but there's just so much more to them like I think I went in thinking it was just my exams but once I got in there it's just it's just an amazing community for all different things like support if I put in there I, I just can't do this one thing can someone help me someone will help you if you put in there 
I actually put in there, um, interestedly, does anyone work for family? So I wanted to see and have a chat with people, what it's been like for them, what works and things like that. And people came back and I had a couple of phone conversations, which was amazing. Um, and you could put things in there like software, who uses what? And it's just a brilliant place to, to ask mm. questions and, and stuff like that. And then in terms of other things, um, Adam did my competency for me. So to be signed off as a competent advisor, I had to do a role play, which is honestly my worst nightmare. I couldn't think of anything worse than role play. It makes me drift in sweat, like suffer. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. So, but Adam was literally amazing. He he did it all with me, and he's like, "Now I don't know why you're panicking." And I was like, "If you want to talk to me normally, I can talk for about five hours, probably yeah. to a brick wall that doesn't speak. If you want me to do role play, I just can't do it." But uh -huh. he was amazing, and he did it with me. He made me feel relaxed. We got it all done and signed off. So he did yep. that, and then also like they do like these video challenges and it was like a month of putting yourself on video and talking about different things and I thought you know what I'm just gonna do it give it a go and a few times I thought oh I feel a bit like a numpty but in the end it built my confidence so much and now I would do a video of myself and I'm like that's all right like I might have said a few things a bit blah, but other than that it was fine yeah and um yeah they're just great and then obviously I've done the big breakfast with them the last few weeks which is a show on the on a Friday morning and it, it's just it's interesting it's fun and it's good for me as well like it really builds my confidence yeah I've just they next have been brilliant I don't know what I would have done without them really they've taken me on a whole nother another path that I didn't even know was going to be there fantastic so yeah brilliant so yeah I, I I concur you know I've stepped into the community now a couple of times and I've been speaking to Adam behind the scenes about building a well-being and mental health community for the financial planning profession and we're getting involved in yeah. that over in, in the future so I'm really looking forward to it I think the community aspect brings a whole new angle to being a financial planner because it can be quite an isolated job especially when you've got planners that are all, all spread out all over the place that are working from home and um, might be self-employed and it can be quite an insular job as well because and a lot of pressure upon yourself so I think finding a community where you are in collaboration not competition is only going to add value because you can ask questions that you might not be able to ask an you know uh, you know somebody who works for you or you can't turn to your wife or your husband or whatever to ask questions because they don't understand what it's like and that's the bit about the community I think that's really good and I was you know I was really impressed with the big breakfast and obviously you were presenting on there and I could see how it would build your confidence getting on video I love all the yeah. little kind of little uh, video challenges and whatnot and how you all are very positive and supportive of each other you know I came on there and it felt very fresh and it was such a different view if you like to what the financial planning profession was about it was um it was refreshing and and, and lovely and i can see how somebody of, of all ages really would benefit from it but especially somebody who's a bit younger who wants to come mm. into the profession but feels a bit like oh bloody hell there's a barrier here you know knowledge barrier or or um cultural barrier and there isn't in there so yeah hats off i think it's really really good um, now you're also getting involved in the community and building like a sub community in there, aren't you? Um, can you tell us a little bit about that sub community that you're building in next gen planners for women under 30? Definitely. So it sort of came from how I've had this idea in my head for quite a long time and didn't really know what it was, what to do with it, where to go with it. But it's just been fluttering around in my head. And it all stemmed from, I remember when I went to my first PFS conference and I was with my dad and I walked in and I was just, overwhelmed by the amount of males probably over 50 and I just thought is this a job for me I don't look like any of you I don't sound like any of you I don't behave like any of you so how am I going to do this 
if I'm the only person like me kind of thing and I also thought I'm never going to say anything I'm not because it's quite intimidating I will happily admit that I find it intimidating I'm not going to sit here and go oh I think this one should do that because I just wouldn't if there was five other women on my table I'd maybe dabble a little bit and say a bit more as my confidence grows but if I'm sat on a table with 10 men over 50 I'm just not going to say it I'm just not and and there's nothing wrong with that being the sort of group of people in financial advisory because my dad's amazing at his job he's brilliant like every day I learn stuff from my dad and that the way he behaves what he says his knowledge like him and his business partner they've built an amazing business and all these businesses are amazing it was more for me about having those young women similar to me to just talk to a bit more openly so that was sort of my idea I wanted somewhere to to come together to be able to chat about anything sort of or I don't know how to take my next steps or failed this exam three times I don't want to put it in a great big group please help me what can I do um, and just also know there's other young women in financial planning out there and at this point I'm not sure there's loads yep. but that's also the other point of my group is I want to I want to branch out and aim towards like admin staff and trainee power planners and people coming out of school college uni you don't you don't need a degree you don't I don't even have any a levels you know what I mean I don't have anything but my financial advisor qualification mm-hmm. and it's not seen as a career really like my best friend she's a lawyer and like she's like oh, I want to be a lawyer and but no one says oh, I want to be a financial advisor or a financial planner it's just it's just not a thing but it should be yeah. like I love it but and I can understand why because I've been there you sit as an admin staff and you look at all the financial advisors and they are all males over 50 so why would you think you could do that I didn't and mm. I'm, I'm sure there's some women out there thinking yeah I could do it and fair play to them but me and a load of other people I know don't like and you don't always get this, like financial advisor firms are so busy sometimes it's hard for people to stop and say look you're you're like great I think you should maybe take your exams or we'll support you it just doesn't always happen yeah but I thought if I could like get some real momentum behind this group and I've got a lot of links with with um companies and stuff like that just people I've sort of spoken to and said like look your admin staff if you sort of just it'd be free just get them to sign up to this group they can have a chat they can pair up with a mentor if they like like I'll, I'll run some webinars about building your confidence in meetings or or like we're chatting about like the difference between admin and a power planner to see if they they feel like they might like that or or if they just want to message me and say oh can we have a chat for 10 minutes to talk about your career or how I could maybe do that or if you know any companies I that's I just wanted to create that sort of thing and so it's within next gen at the moment but I want to take it out and bigger things and I just want to get as many young women involved as I possibly can. And even if I went to a college and said, look, join this group for a week, see what you think, learn a bit about the role. If you don't like it, you can leave, but you might go, this is the, this is the career for me. I want to do this. What have I got to do? Okay. So the idea here is to make the career of a financial planner a bit more obvious to, 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 to women, especially young women, you know, as far back, you know, as early as in schools, colleges, universities, Definitely. Um, you're absolutely right. There's obviously a clear route into the professions of um, being a solicitor or an accountant, but not so much into financial planning, which I totally 100% agree with you there. But also it's about being unapologetically female. You know, mm-hmm. why should you have to masculate yourself in an environment with men to feel that you fit into a male dominated profession? And that's not the man bash because I'm one of them, you know, and um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. The fact that it's male dominated, if you like, is just because of the times and the times they are changing, aren't they? 
mm-hmm. at the same time, there has to be role models within the profession that step up and say, it's okay, I'm a female, I work as a financial planner. And guess what? It's a bloody good job. So why not come across and join us? And hey, join our group. And I'm going to tell you all about it. Not just me, but there's other women that are working in the profession. And here's their experience of being a financial planner and why we believe it's a fantastic job for women. So come on, learn a little bit about it. We'll answer some questions for you. If you like it, stay. If you don't, don't. But at least you've sort of come in here and explored the idea. So I think people like you, women like you, need to step up and be role models because without that, no one's going to see it, you know, so you have to do it. And I think community is a great way to do it because as you've experienced with next gen community builds collaboration, it, you know, it gives people comfort. It's like finding a tribe, isn't it? Once you find your tribe of people, you will feel really, really comfortable and you can bounce off of each other. And you can ask those questions that you might not ask if you were a girl, let's say sat in an admin team of 20 financial planners and 18 of them are bloody blokes you know definitely yeah 100 percent. and it's just from being there myself that I know I don't I don't want to ask that question to them I want to ask women my own age and see what they think yeah. and see what they can say to make me feel better and even just as little as saying you can go in that meeting and you can talk to that client and you're going to be fine they're not going to say oh my god you look about 10 and you're a female this yeah. is not going to happen you sometimes you just and I know it myself you need someone to turn around and say you can do that from yeah. someone that is like you yeah you shouldn't have to battle to want to express your opinion on something because of your age and mm. because of your sex it's as simple as that you know your gender you should not have to feel that you can't have that communication I think it's great that you're building that building that community where women have a place that they can come but at the same time I hope that drives confidence that women can be unapologetically female and share their opinions in a workplace regardless of their gender or age because yeah. there's so many good thing like you're, you're, the way you're talking about this now is not the way that a financial planner in his you know 40s 45 50s would be talking about it because it, they don't have the same sort of mindset that you do around how you can generate new clients for example what it, the benefits of being a female within financial planning how you can articulate something in a different way that isn't sort of Definitely. really bullish you know that you may show mm. a little bit of a deeper level of empathy and sensitivity that not only women require but a lot of men require that as well we don't want to feel like we're going in somewhere where there's a bloody know-it-all sat at the other end of the desk you know Definitely. because I found that, you know, I, there's a lot of confidence issues when it comes to money, you know, and mm, people definitely. want to know that the person they're speaking to is going to be empathetic and understanding to their situation. And I suppose historically, financial planners have never been like that. You know, it's no. just like, God, oh, Jesus, like I step into I use a, I was using an accountant. He was an old boy, you know, nothing wrong with being an old boy again. You know, I'm not being ageist here. Yeah. No concept of what it was like to run a recruitment company. No concept, yeah. you know, of anything around it. Yeah. Started talking to a few other people and I found this accountant that's now our outsourced, runs our whole finance for us, not just our accountants. Yeah. He runs the whole of our finance because he got me. He understand the pains that I was going through, the worries, Definitely. the stresses. And like, he can just talk the language with me, you know? And I thought, Definitely. and that's what financial planning needs. It needs more people that can talk the language in an understandable, simple way. So people mm. feel comfortable and confident they can go to Chanel and say, you know, tell, you know, give me some help or at least watch hours and hours of your videos explaining the very basics you know, Definitely. of what financial planning is. And that's great for new clients. It's great for new people coming into the profession, isn't it? 
yeah I think so I do I just feel like there is a really big need for it mm. and I just felt like there was and I know I looked for it when I was at the start of my career and I was like, I just want someone to talk to that gets it and yeah. I struggled to find it and yeah. I just thought if I could create it now and it'd be a mixture of being able to talk to someone and watch a couple of webinars on how to build your confidence and very similar to what next year has done for me just and that's more of like a general financial kind of thing but I just think it would do so much good and I just really hope it does bring more women into the industry because I just I think it would be great I think they can make great financial plans like I absolutely love it and like you said if you're a mom and there there can be so much flexibility there and yeah. it's such a rewarding job and there's no time that you can earn a really good salary like yeah. for me it just ticks all the boxes so I, I hope okay in respect of salaries okay you know you think about five years to become a financial planner from be, being an administrator i'm not going to ask you what you're on now but from 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 an administrator up to a financial advisor did you see your salary increase massively yeah from from the very start that like at all beautiful where i am now a huge difference a huge difference would you say Definitely. your sal- salary's doubled at least at least doubled so that's yeah that's another positive thing that i want to end on here okay mm. is that you may start out as an administrator you may be on 18 to 20k right but yeah. it's down to you to obviously get your qualifications get your experience get your practical experience um you know as well as your technical experience but within mm-hmm. three to five years it is not unusual to more than double 100%. Definitely. And the, and the good thing with PowerPoint is, and like you said, like I've definitely gone from one firm to the other and said, you've got to pay me more. Like I've got my experience, I've got my exams. And I've had times as well where I've, I've accepted a job and they've counter offered me and I've gone back again, they've counter offered again. Like yeah. that's not unusual in PowerPoint. And yeah. also, like, take an exam, turn around and say, I've taken this exam, I want to raise. Like that's not unusual either. I've, I've no. got plenty of friends that are PowerPlanners that have studied hard for an exam and said, I've worked, I've worked myself hard, I've, I've got it let's talk about a pay rise I, I feel like these things and it's scary don't get me wrong I've definitely been absolutely bricking it for those conversations but mm. most of the time they're like yeah fair enough like it's going to benefit us you've done well we'll give you a, like a raise it's, it's definitely not difficult to do no absolutely so that's definitely worth you know worth people understanding when they come into financial planning as well is that you can increase your salary quite considerably and the way the profession's going where it's less bonus orientated there's going to be more Mm -hmm. emphasis and focus especially around the employed roles of having higher basic salaries less bonuses so that's where Mm -hmm. it kind of falls in line a bit more with the professions of accountancy solicitors Mm -hmm. and that type of thing so you'll be seeing that in the employed market obviously there's always still self-employed and as a financial planner again anybody listening to this you can you are master of your own destiny if you want to earn three hundred thousand a year half a million quid i speak to financial planners that are earning over a million pounds oh 100 it's it's not hard to do like you can it's 100 percent achievable in this industry and i think a lot of people don't don't realize that and at the end of the day a lot of us are motivated by I couldn't think of anything better than a flexible job a rewarding job mm. and a brilliant salary like, I just think what more could you ask for no exactly Chanel listen thank you so much for your time today thanks for sharing your journey I know we sort of emphasized and we focused a lot on your journey from power you know the different types of from administration and then through these different power planner routes but the reason why it took a little bit of time and went a little bit deeper is it can be incredibly complicated that bit. And I think people can get lost and stay in jobs. Perhaps they shouldn't be staying mm-hmm. in because they think they're a power planner, but yet their skill set isn't being pushed to the true 
capabilities of really what a power planner is. And I think you've given some really great examples of the differences in the different roles. And there's nothing wrong with jumping from one company to another. I would be saying that as a recruitment consultant. Anybody listening, come and see me. I'll get you a job. You know? Absolutely. Nothing I have amazing me. help from recruitment consultants. I think that makes a huge difference. In all honesty, yeah. when I went to get jobs through recruitment consultants, made a huge difference. Definitely. Well, the thing is that you're getting some you're getting some market research, aren't you? At the end of the day, I think what people, you know, you might be the best financial planner in the world. You might be the best power planner, but guess what? You spend all day with your head in a book or you spend your whole day talking to your clients. What you don't do is spend your Mm -hmm. whole day looking at the market and seeing what's out there. Whereas we've got complete utter exposure to the market. So we can tell you in your area, who's paying what, who's not paying what, who's got a trainee route, who's not, Mm -hmm. you know, how much people are earning at one company compared to the other. I think that's the value that we have as recruitment consultants. And you can go, and I always advise, people go out there and do your own research and go and find your own job but if you haven't got the time come and see me because i'll do it all for you You yeah definitely and that's the value of a recruitment consultant and um which is why i think they'll always be there you know that's Mm, why i think they'll always brilliant well listen thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you i hope we can continue sort of talking in the future um i know you're talking to elena stevenson in my office about being part of that that group and i think it's a fantastic group so please do that because i think um I think it's fantastic and I'm happy to share that and get that out there. We've got loads Thank of followers. You. So we'll help you grow that community. No Amazing. problem at all. And I think what you're doing is fab and, and well done on your career so far. It can only be, how, how old are you right now? 24. 24 years old. I'm 40 this, <laughs> this year, right? You've got 16 years till you're my age. My God, what you can achieve within that 16 years. So hats off to you and inspiration to any young females that are listening and guys that get yourself stuck into a profession and you can earn considerable money have the flexibility you require and enjoy your life definitely thank you so much it's been brilliant no worries all the best take care